This is a shot of hope. Terrell was just two years old when his family split apart. Both his parents were struggling with drug addiction, which led to prison time, and Terrell and his siblings were eventually placed in foster care and then adopted into a new family. The trauma of those early years stayed with Terrell, and as a teenager, he felt lost, unsure of who he was. Some high school experiences with drugs quickly blossomed into full-blown addiction. But while Terrell was falling into the hole of addiction, his father's biological father, Carlton, was climbing out. And here's the crazy part. Terrell and his brothers reconnected with their biological dad over Facebook, learned about Carlton's history of addiction and recovery. Today, Carlton's celebrating 15 years, 15 years of continuous sobriety. He graduated from the spiritual recovery program at Helping Up over 15 years ago. And so when Terrell called him one day, Carlton was thrilled to bring his son to Helping Up Mission. Terrell's now 18 months clean. Not only has he reconnected with his biological father, he's reconnected with God as father. This weekend, as we celebrate Juneteenth and Father's Day, enjoy this story of liberation from the bondage of addiction and of reunion between father and son. This is a shot of hope. That's my son, Terrell Ham. He's 28 years old. And uh, that's my father, Carlton Cheatham. And he's 48 years old. So since you're older, we'll start with you, <laughs> chronology-wise, right? Share just a little bit about your childhood growing up. And then I want us to come to him being born. Paint me a picture of what that was like. I grew up in East Baltimore, close to John Hopkins. I'm the youngest of eight kids. Pretty good reason. Just my mom raised us no father. I mean, I could lead you to how I got to addiction. I had a pretty good childhood, pretty athletic. I witnessed my oldest brother get murdered in 1983, and I was 11 years old. And um, that really devastated me. I meant like I witnessed that. It messed me up. And I started drinking at the age of 12. Started drinking. That transitioned very fast. Started smoking cigarettes. Started smoking weed. And I was off to the races. I dropped out of school in the eighth grade. And I continue on using Terrell's mother. We grew up somewhat in the same neighborhood, and we went to school together, middle school together. Growing up as a kid, my mom allowed us to have company and play the music, and uh, we were sneaking and drinking and uh, smoking weed and uh, all of them things. And uh, I met Terrell's mom, and we started dating, and at the age of 17, Terrell's brother was born. And it was on and popping from there. Like I said, it wasn't even two years later. She was pregnant with Terrell. And we continue on dating and staying together and doing things. Both of us was using drugs. Our addiction both was taken off. And it journeyed into other things like snorting heroin and drinking and partying and things of that nature. And it became a real downward spiral after that managed to survive five years uh, staying with other people as far as her mom, her stepdad. We journeyed out on our own in our 20s and we got our first apartment 
And uh, it wasn't long before then we had not lost the apartment, but we had stopped paying the bills due to our addiction. And um, I left that house and uh, I took the kids. We were on the run and not literally on the run, but you can say on the run. I wasn't staying there no more. I just decided to up and go. Um, it was a lot of things going on around there. And so um, my mom, I got in contact with my mom. And uh, she told me that the social worker was looking for me. And uh, I ended up taking Terrell and his older brother out to my mom's house. And I, I left them there. And uh, CPS came in and they took the kids. They offered to try to help me again, but I was caught up in my addiction and I didn't go to court. I had made a decision that, and I prayed about it. And I said, even in my addiction, I prayed and I said, God, they'd be better off being raised by another family other than me. So I ain't go to court um, to fight to try to get them back. I wasn't ready to stop using. And that continued on for a long time. Afterwards, um, it's, it's, it's been like 24 years since I've seen them. And uh, I had been back and forth to prison myself. I came here to the Help Up Mission in 2006. When you gave them up, how old were you, Terrell? Terrell was two. Yeah, I was two. So I don't really remember much when I was in foster care. And... I remember, like, my brother, like, really, like, taking care of us a lot. And then um, one day we was at a foster daycare uh, picnic. And my adopted parents at the time seen my older brother in line. He was getting us food. And I guess from that moment on, like, God was in it. So they ended up adopting us. And they adopted all three of us. And that's where my journey takes off, where I I moved to Cumberland. Growing up, like, growing up was good. You know, I had everything that I ever, like, wanted. I had a, a family. It was good. Like, we had clothes and got new shoes for school and got to go on vacation. And so, like, they were adopted. And, and, and they were adopted by a white family. And so he shared with me later on that, like, the kids used to tease and, um, you know, he felt a little inadequate. Neighborhood kids. Uh, and so he felt a little awkward, he told me. But I, I just knew that it doesn't didn't matter what race it would be, but I knew they could do a better job than what I could at the time. So when did drugs and alcohol come into the picture for you? 17, you know, yeah, I felt inadequate and basically was sneaking. But a kid on my cross-country team, he came over and uh, he said, hey, man, I got some weed, man. And I tried it and, you know, I I got hot, sweaty, hopped in the shower, blacked out. And I didn't really like it, but... I felt cool, you know, like fitting in and stuff. So I tried it again and I graduated high school and I started college and really wasn't fitting in, really wasn't doing what I should be responsibility wise and made it through a year of school and flunked out. 
So I started working and I just resorted to drinking and smoking and that led to psychedelics, drugs, stuff that sort. And, you know, I just started like living this party scene because that's where I fit in at. And it, it spiraled downhill until, you know, I was picking up that pipe to smoke crystal meth. And it didn't start out as a big deal. You know, I was working and maintaining, but it started as a like a party on a weekend type ordeal. Then it started becoming like, all right, I need this in a work week to where I just wasn't taking care of my responsibilities. I would go out and party on the weekends instead of being home with my daughter, my baby daughter, and, you know, enough was enough. So we ended up splitting up. That really fueled my addiction, and I guess breaking point was my my grandma had passed away, and, you know, it just spiraled downhill. So let's jump back to your story. How'd you find out about this place? Um... I found out this about this place. My brother, I have a brother, Troy Cheatham, who was here. I don't know how he managed to make it a helping up mission. But uh, at my end, uh, I was sleeping in Bum Park over here on uh, Fed and Falls Way, uh, behind the main, by the church, St. Vincent de Paul. And um, I, I was at my end. I was broken. And uh, I, I, I asked God not let me die like that. And um, I ended up at Bayview Hospital. I sat out there on the bus stop, uh, me and a, a friend. And uh, we sat out there for two days getting high on the bus stop. And uh, it was over for me. I couldn't even get high. I, I couldn't even get high. And uh, we had plenty of drugs. I couldn't get high. Now, I couldn't get high. Not one bit. I was frustrated. I got clean in March. It was cold. And uh, he just said, we should go in here and tell them we're going to commit suicide. And they'd keep us. It's cold out here. So that sounded like the best idea I ever heard. And so we did that. And they ended up sending me to detox at Bayview. When you're in detox, you have to find uh, a program to go to on your third day. And they had this big old catalog book with different programs and numbers. And I I ain't go through that. I knew where I wanted to go because my brother, Troy, was here at the Helping Up Mission. And he had asked me to come here on different occasions. I wasn't ready. And I think he stayed here for uh, 11 months. He stayed here 11 months. And I got out of detox. I came right here. And I ended up staying here for... I stayed here for eight years. Graduated the program. I had a lot of wreckage in my past. And... uh a program member told his boss about me. And um, after being here for six months, I was able to get a job. And um, I stayed on that job and I did what I needed to do. I stayed there, ended up staying there for eight years and before I transitioned into another job. But um, I stayed and I asked God, I said, God, when my turn going to come where I could be able to leave? And I, I could remember hearing that little voice in my head say, uh, you have a lot of wreckage in your past that you had to address. And I owed the back child support for Terrell and his two brothers. And I think I owed something like uh, $16,000. So I really didn't have the money to actually get an apartment. And um, so I stayed here at the Helping Up Mission. And they allowed me to stay 
and it turned into eight years. But um, in 2014, I moved out. I had gotten a, a one-bedroom apartment. The guys introduced me to Narcotics Anonymous. Being here at the mission, you had to make five meetings a week, and uh, that was a great thing for me. The guys showed me where the outside meetings were, started going to meetings. Um, I was listening in the meetings. They said I needed to get a sponsor, and I prayed, and uh, I got a sponsor. And I started doing step work and uh, worked it on blind faith with the guidance of my sponsor and uh, told me all I had to do is be honest. I did that. Um, as a result, uh, Sunday I'd be celebrating 15 years. But anyhow, uh, my youngest son reached out to me. I ain't answered the phone, but he texted me. And uh, he told me his biological name. He said, my name is my biological name is Calvin Cheatham. My adopted name is Marcus Helmet. He said to me, I just want to know if you're my biological father. And uh, they found me on Facebook. And me and my oldest brother and my two sisters, we drove down to West Virginia. And uh, we got an opportunity to spend time with Terrell and uh, Marcus, which is the youngest, uh, my youngest son. Well, I want to hear so okay. I want to hear your perspective of this. My older brother asked me years back. He said, "If I ever found our biological parents, would you be interested in meeting them?" And back then, I, I, I told him, "I said, you know, I don't want to meet them. I was fueled in addiction and wasn't thinking straight." But when my brother messaged me, and I was super emotional, I remember calling three times and just before I could even before I could even ring for him to answer I was done click crying I was really emotional but I ended up eventually eventually calling and like talking a little bit and asking him questions and <laughs> yeah yeah like when I was in like first or second grade like I would ask my parents I would be like Where's my father? I guess, you know, somewhere down the line, I still remember yeah. my pop. But it really, like, I really started feeling different when I would see, like, when I played sports, like track and field. You know, I'd see an African-American, like, kid that I ran with, and his parents would come to support him, and his parents would be black, and I'd be like, his, his parents are black and like my parents are white like what's going on you know like like in college that first semester of college they had us do like a uh, family tree of our ancestors and like like what ethnicity you were and stuff and you know I told my teacher that I was adopted and she was just like we ended up like sharing like our family tree in the class and I told the teacher I didn't want to share because, like, deep down, I don't really know where I come from, you know? I can. She said, well, just use your adopted family. I said, but that's really not where I come from, so I really don't feel, like, the same. As yeah, I mean, if you want to take the tree metaphor, you were transplanted. And, 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 and I so. felt like I was missing that. Like, I felt, yeah, like, different than everyone else. I really did, you know, and that, like, really fueled my addiction too because I didn't really know who I was. 
12 years later, God answered my prayers. And um, I was praying and I kept saying, God, when are you going to let me see my kids? And uh, I also used to go on Facebook and try to look. I would type in, search their names, their biological names, and nothing would come up. And so I would look like at pictures, Facebook requests, friend requests to see if people look like my sons. Did you tell him about helping on mission? Yes, I did. I can remember them vividly in my head. And uh, he called me one day at the job and he said, uh, hey, Pops, I think I'm ready. And I, I say, ready for what? Uh, he said, I want you to come and get me and take me up to the program that you were in. I love my sons. I ain't never stopped loving them. I just couldn't do for them when I was caught up in my active addiction. So when he said that, I said, I'm going to come and get you tomorrow. So I got here on July 12th of 2019. And, you know, once I got here, I, it was rough. The first, like, couple days while well, I met Big John, you know, I came from West Virginia and it's like a totally, like, different like atmosphere yeah the city lights and everything i was bugging you know <laughs> even though i couldn't leave the building it's like i'm like how did i get here you know and i remember like that first night like messaging my doctor mom and i was like i don't know if this is gonna work and the first couple weeks were rough things started changing i had to meet make meetings and I had to go to the classes. Like, I just started listening. Like, listening to other people talk and just... I, I never really knew of any, like, recovery or anything like that. And I just... I started talking, you know? I started talking to people. Like, I started sharing with, like, Larry and some people that was in class with me. And I kind of, like, made the decision to... Like, keep going. How did your relationship start to change? Quite naturally, I want to take them and guide them and protect them. And, but the relationship started building. And I, I could tell that even now, like with Terrell, he, he tends to hold back a little bit with me. But he's starting to open up too. And, and understand that I do love him and I want the best for him. And uh, I just I just want him to feel like, okay, that's my pops. Uh, he got me, right? And, and, and as he start to come out, I start taking him to outside meetings and introducing him to other people and uh, trying to help him get an understanding of recovery and that he's an addict. His mom and dad was both an addict. Uh, his mom used with them an act of addiction and so it's quite natural that he will have them tendencies so I'm just trying to make him aware of like part of who he is as a person and and so that he can feel comfortable with himself just like we talk a lot we do things a lot we go out and eat and uh, we talk recovery and do meetings together I think our relationship is is going good for father and son we, we had some good times together, man. One day, we were going to a meeting, and uh, he was smoking a cigarette, right? And I looked at him, and I bust out laughing. He said, what you laughing at, Pops? I said, boy, you look just like me. 
I'm smoking that cigarette just like me, man. And uh, I'm, I'm just telling you, uh, it's just good because I'm, I'm hoping we can have a family reunion uh, if we can make it through COVID. Everybody have the opportunity to be able to come together and be able to enjoy each other, you know what I'm saying? You mentioned earlier describing your days of getting high you know, as a young man. As you're connecting the dots now, like you're thinking a factor there was not having a strong sense of identity, who Terrell what really is. Yeah. yeah, Is that an area that you've been able to grow in like over the past couple years? Who's Terrell today? Terrell today is, you know, he's working on things. I guess through like the midst of everything I've been through, I always just like people please and would do anything just for attention and love. And so I've been working on that today. I'm okay being with myself. I've found out like who I am, I guess through experiences and and then through relationships. Yeah, like actually like talking to like my father and stuff. I did the floor here at the mission. I would always be up in the morning dancing and everyone would be like, man, why are you so happy? And I, I definitely get that from my father. Yeah, he had a lot of my personality. <laughs> so he loved his daughter. Video chats with her every day. That I can. I mean, he sent her money all the time. He left off the part that's being here. As a result, he got a job working at John Hopkins in environmental services. So he have a great personality. A lot of my traits, you know, I'm a people person. I love people. And so, like, he have that trait, too. You know, like, he just got a real good personality that he's working on developing and uh, addressing some of the uh, defects and shortcomings of his past and uh, finding out, like, who he really is as a person and uh, addressing them issues, but he's fortunate. You know, he got three grandmothers, he got uh, three mothers, uh, he got uh, two fathers. You you know, he have a lot going for him. And I I try to explain that to him. You had the best of both worlds, man. I I love my son and um, I want great things for him. I want great things for Terrell (laughs) and I I want him, the opportunity will come. If you stay in position, if you continue to do the right things for the right reason and constantly work on this recovery. As we're talking, I'm just thinking one of the primary metaphors that the Bible uses to describe God Mm. is Father, Mm. which is interesting, right? People have had all kinds of experiences right, of of fatherhood, of their father, and if if they've been a father, you know. I, I guess I'm just curious, like, how that lands with you. I just feel like that he loves me and cares for me and has never left my side, you know, as a father. And I just feel like he's continually revealing things to me, whether it's with my biological father or just through something throughout my day. Like, I know I was, like, kind of listening to, like, Hillsong United and, you know, just praying. And I was reminiscing about, like, older times, like times in my childhood. You know, I thought about, like, going to Sunday school in Cumberland. And I ended up reaching out to uh, my Sunday school teacher. And I talked to her this morning. 
we talked for like an hour and um i was able to like still have a relationship with her and she's like she's helping me out she gave me like chapters of the bible where that are like easy reads and that aren't overwhelming and she said i don't have to like brush through the book that's cool yeah that's cool you reconnected with your old Sunday school teacher as we wrap up anything else that you would like to ask your son or or speak to your son yeah yeah i do i just want to let them know that i love them dearly i constantly be there for terrell i I just want them to know that i love him and that he can call me for anything this whole process i could see that god had put this together i've been praying for a long time for this day to come to be able to spend time with my kids and and as well as being there uh, for my grandkids. You know, I got grandkids. I was super excited about (laughs) having uh, uh, three granddaughters and a grandson. And I want to get an opportunity uh, to be a part of your life. And like, I still don't know who my youngest son or my oldest son, like how they grew up and how they developed their own identity as people I'm learning that with Terrell right now like uh, who he is as a person and at one time I said to him I said I, I told you to, I'm a backup I'm allowed you to make some decisions for yourself because at first I started out being selfish oh come on you going with me and he had started to meet friends here and started doing stuff like playing soccer running back on my yeah, feet yeah. I was like being selfish. I wanted them to be with me all the time because I'm gonna protect them, and uh, I'm gonna show them how this thing works and all of that. But uh, gotta give them his space too. Yeah, yeah, I had to give them his space, and that's something that God dropped in my spirit. And that's very cool. I shared that with him. So that's yeah. very cool. How about you? Is there anything you wanted to to say to your to your father <laughs> or, or ask? I just wanted to say thank you for you know bringing me to the helping out mission. Really gave me a chance to get my life together, and I, I really like our relationship, mm-hmm. and I'm thankful for that too. I think that like helped mend a, a piece of my past, a piece of who I am, with spending time with you and stuff, and just like doing daily inventory on myself. I'm starting to like find myself, you know, yeah. as a person. And I thank you, and I love you, too. I just look forward to more time, spending time with you. Yeah, to come. You know, and just being thankful, working on my relationships with family and with God. And I, I love you. I love, I love you, too. Yeah, more than I tell them all the time. I love them. Good stuff, gentlemen. Thank you. This is really special. podcast was produced by me, Vic King, with music by Blue Dot Sessions. Of course, if you haven't subscribed, you can always do that in the podcast player of your choice. And if you want, you can even leave a review or rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Till next time. Peace. Peace.